Hey, listen, it is Thanksgiving week, and uh, I'm so glad. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. My wife, this is her favorite holiday of the year. But since it's Thanksgiving week, we'll do something a little different. Um, what are you thankful for? If you've got something that you're thankful for, just raise your hand, and I'll, I'll point to you, and just, just let us know. So just what is something that you're thankful for that you're just celebrating this Thanksgiving season? Just, just raise your hand. Your husband. Wow. <laughs> All right. Wives, nobody else can use that one, okay? Uh, a couple more. What's something you're thankful for? Great, great to be able to serve Jesus. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Well, uh, back here. Cancer-free. Cancer-free. Wow. Fantastic. Love that. Love that. Love that. I got a brother pointing to his sister, and the sister's hiding. So I'm not going to call on you, all right? So hey, one more. Your job, awesome, man, awesome. Listen, so much to be thankful for, and, and, and thankfulness is a really a, a discipline. You know, it really is. So take time to be thankful. So Thanksgiving's coming up, and so I want you to take a side. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and I, I just want you to choose a side, okay? Um, so some people do turkey. Most people do turkey. Some people do ham. If you prefer ham on, th- uh, ham on Thanksgiving, just raise your hand. Awesome. I'm way more ham people than I thought. All right, how many of y'all are turkey people or turkeys? <laughs> All right, I got a lot more. Tur- All right, now, Friday is everybody does a lot of shopping on Friday, and a lot of people do. How many of you prefer online shopping? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you prefer live shopping? How many would rather not shop? All right, <laughs> oh, I got it, I got it. All right, well, that following Saturday is, is rival weekend. Yeah, all right, come on. You've never said that in church in your life. All right. All right. How many are pulling from Alabama? And if you were, you would not admit it now. How many are pulling from Auburn? Some of you refuse. You've got to choose. All right. All right. Clemson. Get out. Um, <laughs> South Carolina. Yeah, I agree with that one. Georgia. <laughs> now, I know there's some Georgia Tech fans in here. One. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing, all right? How, how many of y'all are neutral when it comes to college football? Just neutral. Just neutral. Yes, yes, yes. All right, I hear you. You know, there are times when you you pick a side in life, all right? There's just times when you pick a side, and there's times that you can be neutral. You know, some of you don't prefer turkey or ham. You do something like hamburgers every Thanksgiving. Some of you could care less about shopping. Some of you could care less about football. But there are times when it's not okay to be neutral. We're talking about this cosmic battle. If you've been in uh, with us, if not, you can catch up with us online. But we have been in this cosmic battle uh, in, in Revelation, and you, you, can't, you can't be neutral in this. Okay? We, we can't be neutral. There, there's no middle ground. And, and to be indifferent or, or to be neutral, and what I want you to see today, and I, and I hope you see it with a loving heart, but to be indifferent or to be neutral is really to be complicit with the dragon. It's really to, to be complicit with Satan because either way, we're, we're on a side. And there, there's no such thing as neutral. And so the, the question I, I'm going to keep asking throughout this message this morning is, do you know which side you're on? 
Now, what I'm hoping is this, man, I, I think if I was to ask you, are you on God's side, are you on Christ's side, are you on the Lamb's side, everybody would say yes. But I got a feeling that as we go through this, you may feel a little bit of conviction because there's a difference between, between being on Jesus' side and being a fan. You know, there's a, there's a big difference. Nobody wants to be on the side of Satan. No one wants to see the dragon win. And we know at the end of Revelation he doesn't win anyway. But there are a lot of souls that are in the balance. So in Revelation 14, John sees three angels pronouncing three different messages, all part of the gospel truth, okay? Then he sees two different harvests that take place. And so there's going to be five events in all. But this book ended by Christians, by believers from all of time, from way back when to, to the end of time, worshiping this lamb, worshiping Christ and all the things that God has accomplished through these three angels and these two harvests. And what we're going to see, these, these five events, these are the mighty acts of God. And so know this, we're, we're, coming, we're really talking about the end of time and coming up to the end of time. And these, these five events... This is why we worship this morning, to be honest with you. This is why we, we sing songs. This is why you go down the road and, and you give thanks to God. This is when you pray, you're, you're giving thanks. This is why you sing uh, when you're you know, in, in the shower and you're singing praise songs because of these acts. This is why we worship the Lord. So angel number one, chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midair, and he had entered, he had, the internal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the seas, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Man, the angel is flying out, and he, he's proclaiming the gospel. He, he's proclaiming, hey, turn to God. Hey, hey, fear God, love God, choose God. Hey, understand my love for you. Turn to Christ. I mean, he's calling for people to, to turn to Jesus. What does this mean? Does this mean that evangelism and sharing the good news with others is not the role of the church? That we don't, we don't have to do that? I mean, if you throw out all, a lot of scriptures then maybe you could think that, but that's not what it's saying at all. I mean, if we understand the purpose here if we understand in the context of the rest of the Bible, here, here's some great news. The church has divine help in the work of evangelism. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you feel like evangelism, it's all up to you. You ever felt that way? Man, you got to go, hey, yeah, you need to share your faith with somebody. If they don't come to faith in Christ, well, it's your fault. And that's a heavy burden. I want to tell you that this is what encourages me. Man, there's an angel that has gone out. And he is proclaiming the good news. And he's telling the world, hey, turn to Christ. Trust in him. But what's our job? What's the church's job in this? And in this battle that we've been speaking about for, for weeks now, our job is to proclaim the same good news. That, that's how we fight. Now, now know this. This is a, a call to fight. But this is how we fight. We don't fight with our fists and we don't fight by yelling and, and getting mad and, and screaming. No, we fight by telling others what Jesus has, has done for us. It's when we, we walk down our street or, 
we're in our offices or we're in our classrooms or we're at school or whether you're on the bus. Man, it's telling people what Christ has done for you. Sometimes it's uh, going down your street and, and you're just praying for the, the houses in your neighborhood or maybe if you live in Shadydale or something like that, as you ride by a house every four miles, you, you pray for that house. It's praying for those in your classroom. It's praying for those in your workplace. Man, that's how we fight. And you know what it does? That type of prayer, that type of obedience, that praying for our family and praying for these people, these are your loved ones. I came in here this past week and I, and I checked the basket and there were four or five more names and I, and I added them to the, to the cross and I remember looking at it. There are cards stacked on top of cards. And man, I was overwhelmed. The people that you love, that you want to see come to know Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. When you, when you put somebody's name down on a card, that's one thing. But when you start praying for them, man, that freaks the enemy out. Man, when you start telling them, oh, here's what Jesus did for me. Hey, before I was a believer, I was this, but, but now I'm a believer and follower of Jesus. This is who I am now. Man, that freaks the enemy out. But if you're indifferent about all this, you're not a problem to him. Man, if, if we're not praying, man, if we're not stepping out into deeper waters like that, that song, and we're into, oh, I can't remember how the lyrics go, but without borders, man, we're, we're not a problem. You know what my prayer has been lately? God, surprise me with what you'll do. Not me as a pastor, but just me sharing my faith. Surprise me, Father, in what you'll do then with our church. But if we're indifferent, man, he, he's, not, he's not scared of us. If we're indifferent or neutral. But if you're indifferent or neutral, you're, you're not on the side of the angel. And so again, in, in a loving spirit, I, I want you to hear this message. You know what? I, it's been a while since I prayed for somebody to come to faith. I don't think anybody would intentionally go, man, I'm Satan's side. Nobody would intentionally do that. But to do nothing... To not fight at all, man, is to let him have more and more victory. So I ask the question again, whose side are you on? There's a second angel. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Man, who's Babylon? Is that Saudi Arabia? And is, is, the, is the maddening wine, the oil, that's what I was taught, you know, years ago. Is it China, you know, with all the equipment or all that mineral they had to make those batteries? You know, people have wondered that. Is it, used to think it was Russia. Is it America? No. In understanding this letter, we have to remember who it was originally written to, and it cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. So when this letter was originally written to the churches who were experiencing persecution, it was in the context of Rome. Man, they were experiencing just unbelievable persecution, not whether they'd lived through it or they had family members that died because of it. But at the same time, they're being drawn to Rome's culture, the perverseness of it. And to escape the persecution that maybe they'd already experienced or they had seen their loved ones experience. 
So they're tempted to, to escape, to deny Christ, and they're tempted to deny him, and then even to indulge in the immorality of their culture. Babylon is just the code for immorality and, and the culture of Rome. How many of us in this room don't get that? How many of us in this room, man, are tempted by the culture? You don't have to raise your hand, but isn't it easy to be tempted by the culture? To, to, to just, man, think about this. Something as simple as just, you know, what do you call it, binging on Netflix? You don't have to wait a week for your next show to come out. You can watch them all in one night. Nobody in this room has ever done that, right? Just the preacher, right? But in the culture, so inviting. And then the thought, man, if, think about this. If you were going to lose your life, because of your alliance to Jesus and your allegiance to him. And would it not be tempting to deny him or to, or to keep your mouth quiet? Man, this angel's going. And man, he said, hey, hey, reject that. Hey, reject the culture. Reject the immorality. Re reject the temptation to, to quit calling on the name of Christ. Reject the fear of persecution. He said, hey, that's the old way of life. Wake up to the new way of life. Man, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've done that already. Man, you, you, I, I can remember what it was like not to be saved. I can remember the emptiness. I can remember the sin. I can remember it all. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I, the moment I confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, listen, I was a shy little boy. I never once wanted to get up in front of anybody. I am shocked every Sunday that I get up here and preach because that's not who I was. But you know what? As soon as he saved me, I wanted other people to know. I wanted other people to know. Listen, there was a stark difference in me. It was Christ in me. You know what? Anybody that's ever called on Christ, man, you've experienced the same thing. But maybe, maybe, like me, you get tempted by the culture. Maybe you, you get lulled into the culture. Maybe you get lulled into maybe even just being a little bit asleep. Man, this angel is saying, hey, wake up. Man, wake up to this culture. Wake up to the immorality. Man, wake up to the perverseness of it. All of us in this room at some point, or maybe you haven't yet, we turned and we worshiped God. So, and you know what? We still get to share the nasty, ugly details of what it was like and what it's like now to follow Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what your mess was, but God does this. God can turn our mess into his message. I'm going to say, you know what, I'm not so much, I am ashamed, I guess, of the way I used to live, but I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done with me. You know, I'm not. I mean, I, that's love. Now, we got, a, we got a, a culture here in America where we don't talk about our past sins. Listen, I think we need to, because so people can see how great the grace of God is in Jesus I want to tell you, I want to encourage men, let's wake up. God turns our mess into his message, and we're waking up, and we share our stories. I, I want to challenge you, if, if you don't know what your salvation story is, hey, man, ask God to show you. Maybe it's been a, a long time since you thought about it, or maybe you want to sit down with me or, or one of our staff to help you with that, or maybe you're going, I don't know if I have one. I want you to have one. Man, God wants you to have one. 
And listen, then what he wants to do, he wants to take that story and he wants you to share it. And listen, it doesn't have to be that you were a, a, um, I I was going to say something extreme, but man, everything extreme has been done now. It doesn't have to be that extreme. It just could be that you were lost and now you're found, you were blind, but now you see. There's people that need to know that. Your families. Man, your neighbors. Your loved ones. Your friends. And when you do that, man, the Holy Spirit and can use that past message to share his message of grace. Listen, we know that Babylon has fallen. Those in this room, we, we hear the call of the Lord. And so the question again is, whose side are you on? Here's the third angel. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, and we talked about this last week, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. And last week we talked about this. I was at South Newton last week. And the mark of his beast is is mankind. It's not being identified as a follower of, of Jesus. It's cruel, it sounds. We don't like to think about the wrath of God. If anything, this scripture we just read, man, should stir us up to to fight a little harder, to pray a little more, to to share a little more, to invite more people to church, to, to invite more people to hear the gospel. If you're not comfortable sharing the gospel, if anything, when we read something like this, man, it should stir us up to where we want to know more people to to know the love of God, and we want to fight harder. Because all who are in league with the beast, meaning those who are just even indifferent, this, they're going to experience this, this wrath. But why do we sometimes feel like God's wrath is in direct contradiction of his love? Because we, we think that. So how can God, who is love, 1 John, God is love, how can God also be wrath? Matt Chandler said it this way. The more you love something, the more capacity you have for wrath. Think about it. I've got, I've got six boys, three daughters-in-law, four grandkids. And I'm really young, really young. I love my family. I love my wife. You hurt my wife, you're going to feel my wrath. I love her. I I have love in me. But man, the more you love something, the more capacity you have for wrath. God just doesn't have a capacity for love. Man, God is love. And he is therefore infinitely capable of wrath. And to follow the beast is to participate in the destruction of those whom God loves. 
the creation to, to which he called good. To follow the beast is, is to provoke God, who is to love, to, to, to threaten those whom he loves and to incur the, the wrath of God by our own doing. Understand this, wrath is our own doing. God's wrath has given people what they want. In and, and John 3.19, it's not on the screen, it says, Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light because of their deeds were evil. So they choose to stay in the darkness. They stayed under wrath. Romans 1.28 says, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Wrath is, is giving people what they want. It's giving people what they choose. J.I. Packer said this, Nobody stands under the wrath of God save those who have chosen to do so. The essence of God's action in wrath is to give men what they choose and all its implications, nothing more and equally nothing less. Because God is love, His wrath is, is fierce. And it's a wrath that, that's forever, a wrath that's chosen that's the message of the third angel. Before Sammy uh, Osborne retired as superior court judge, I would see Sammy from time to time, not in the courtroom, okay? Not in the courtroom. Um, but I would see Sammy from time to time, maybe elders meeting or coffee or whatever, and I'd say, Sammy, you send anybody to jail today? And he always had the same answer. I don't send people to jail. They choose to go to jail when they break the law. We have to understand God sent Christ so that no one would perish but come to everlasting life. But if they reject Christ, man, they choose wrath. And wrath is chosen when we choose, and I mean, we refuse God's forgiveness in Jesus. Now, like the other two angels, we also join the work of this one by telling the truth about sin. We can tell the truth about God's love. We can tell the truth about the gospel. We can tell the truth about immorality. We can tell our story. But we also tell the truth about sin. Now, maybe you, you don't lead with this. When you don't lead with, hey, I'm Scott. I want to tell you about God's wrath. Probably not the way you're going to win anybody over. But if you follow the order of the angels, if you follow this order, you lead with love. You lead with love. You lead by example of your own life. You, you lead with hospitality. You share the good news of Jesus. And then you get to wrath. But we follow the, the order. Christian author Zorario Butterfield says this. Your words can be only as strong as your relationships. Your words can only be as strong as your relationships. Here's the implication for us. It means the strong gospel words we share will have a stronger impact within our strongest relationships. People can't deny that you love them if you love them. Man, you, you know that. And you know when people are using you, and you know when people are checking you off the list, or if you're just a project or you're a task. But listen, people can pick up on that quick, but they cannot deny if they've been loved. People know when you honestly love them. So love your neighbors. And love your classmates. 
Man, I love your family. They don't know Christ. Man, love you, everyone. And then through prayer, man, fight and share the gospel. Share the truth. Listen, it should be easy. Man, all of you pray. I know this. It's easy to talk about Christ. People ask us questions about our boys, our, our two little ones. They say, well, why did you adopt two little ones? I said, I don't know. My wife talked me into it. I'm just kidding. Sorry. She's not watching this morning. <laughs> um, you know what? We prayed about it. We prayed about it. Man, the Lord led us to that. And, and then you know, always follow up with this. And you know what? Now... I understand what adoption's like because my heart doesn't know any difference between my adopted boys and my biological boys. And I know what it means to God when He adopts somebody. Scripture says He loves us as much as He loves Jesus. He does not, His heart does not know the difference. So love, love your neighbors. And when they ask you questions about your life, well, we prayed about this, and this is what God's done. And little by little, they see your faith in Jesus. Little by little. And we do this because it's time for a harvest. It's time for a harvest. The, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. We, we see these words of Jesus. Jesus says in John 4.35, Now is the time more than ever we need to be more open and we need to be prayerful and sharing our faith. So gently I ask you this question one more time. So whose side are you on? You can either be a problem for Satan or one of the harvesters, one of the fighters. But you can't be neutral. Because if you are neutral, then we know whose side you're on. Now we're going to talk about two harvests. Let's look at the first harvest. In verse 14. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud. And seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. This is Jesus. This is the Son of Man harvesting and gathering uh, believers all to himself. Everyone who's ever believed in his name, this is it. This is Jesus gathering these people to himself. It's the saints before us, it's, it's us, and it'll be the saints after us. Everyone who's believed in the name of Jesus. Well, then there's harvest number two. And harvest number two is the reason harvest one can happen. Now, remember, John, he's, if you're a type A personality, if you're firstborn, whatever, John's going to frustrate you because he doesn't, doesn't write uh, linearly. Linearly? Is that a good word? Sure, I said it. Okay, whatever. All right, linearly. He doesn't write linearly. He, he, he just windows. I see this, I see this. He doesn't talk like that. Harvest number two has already happened. And this is the reason harvest number one can happen. Verse 17. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. 
Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine. Hold on to that, that phrase right there. Because its grapes are ripe. <clears throat> the angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. This vine, these grapes, have been thrown into this winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city. And blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as a horse's bridle for a distance of 1,600 stadia. That is about 180 miles. Unlike the first harvest, this isn't Jesus swinging the sickle. Understand that, know that. An angel is swinging. And he's being commanded by another angel who has charge of the fire. What, what is fire? All throughout fire, fire is used in correspondence with God. It speaks, God speaks to his will to Moses through a burning bush. He leads and is present with the people of Israel through a pillar of fire. And the Holy Spirit descends on the people in like tongues of fire on the disciples at Pentecost. This angel who's charged with the will, the presence, and the power of God. And now he commands that the sickle be swung. And who does he harvest? The vine of the earth. In John 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus says he's the vine. This angel, he harvests Jesus. His sickle is Jesus and this vine is harvested and, and taken to the wine press outside of the city, outside of the city where, where bad things happen, outside of the city where animals roam, outside of the city where, where lepers live, outside of the city where Christ was crucified. This is Jesus in the wine press. Outside the city, absorbing the wrath of God. Jesus, absorbing the wrath of God for all who have called on his name. For all who have believed in him. Listen to what it said about his blood. High as a saddle on a horse and goes out 180 miles. And that seems gory and it seems gross. But it's actually a good thing. Because what this represents is this. There's enough blood. Even for you. There's enough blood to cover your sins. There's, there's enough blood to cover our great-grandchildren when they're born. There's enough blood for everyone who will call on the name of the Lord. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced, Jesus, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds we have been healed. By his wounds, we have been made right with God. And listen, that's why the saints of God, that's why the saints are worshiping. That's why believers around the world are worshiping. Because the lamb, the, the vine of the earth, Jesus Christ and his blood, man, it saves all who calls on the name of the Lord. And that's why there's worshiping. 
At the beginning of Revelation 14, John sees the Lamb standing on Mount Zion in victory. It was a bloody, slaughtered lamb. A lamb that gave itself up for others. A lamb slaughtered for sinners. Yet a lamb that stands in victory. A lamb that won the fight. The way we fight is different than you think. We fight like the lamb. We fight humbly. We fight gently. We fight with love because we've been loved fiercely. We fight with hospitality. We fight with prayer. We fight by sharing the good news of the gospel. So the last time I'll ask you, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? And will you join the fight if you haven't already? You don't have to be anti-God. You can just be indifferent to living a, a happy little life. And the dragon loves it. And you know what he's going to do? He's not going to wake you up. But man, these angels, they're doing two things. I believe they're calling for the church to wake up. They're calling for the church to enter the fight. Because there's more people God wants to rescue from his wrath. So what do we do this morning? What do we do? I want to give you time to pray. I want to give you a moment. Two things you can pray about. Maybe you just need to say, God, I'm on your side. I, I've been indifferent. I, I, you know, and Lord, who hasn't? Okay. Who hasn't been lulled into the world at some point in some time? But maybe you just need to declare to God, God, I'm on your side. And I want to enter this fight. And you know what? We've got all these names over here and, and more. You've got people in your heart that you didn't write their name down because you weren't here at that time. Let's fight for them. Let's fight for them. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to open the, the, this up. You know, COVID makes this a little weird. We, we, we let people come down front, then we shut it down. We let people come down front, and it's like, what do we do? If you want to come down front and pray for somebody, I invite you to do it. If you want to stay in your chair and do that, I, I invite you to do that. But let's enter the fight. Let's refuse to be neutral. So let's pray. Maybe today you want to trust in Jesus. Maybe that's something you've never done. And so after the service is over, I'm going to hang out in here. I invite you to, to come and talk with me. But for the rest of us, let's reject our culture. And let's fight like we never have. Father God, we come to you right now. And, Lord, we believe, God, and I know, Lord, a day is like a thousand years with you and a thousand years is like a day. I know that, God. But, Father, it just seems the day is closer than it ever has been. So, Lord, give us boldness. Give us love. Father, I pray, God, you would so fill us with the love of Christ that people would never be able to deny that then when they've encountered us, Father, they were not loved, sincerely and genuinely loved. 
And Father, give us boldness to share our stories of what you, Jesus, have done in our lives. And may it result in a greater harvest, Father, that we could ever dream or imagine. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.